0: Good morning, morning. we will be in Galatians chapter five. So if you have your Bibles, which you should, it's your middle name here Adamas. You must have your Bibles. Open them up to Galatians chapter five with me. This uh, opportunity to come speak is is a joyful one. I, I love this place. I spent a year here. I won your Bible program back in 1999 to 2000. Uh, Joy, I still uh, rely on much of what I learned here at Emmaus. It has shaped my life in dramatic ways. I encourage you as you go from this place back home, talk about what you're learning here. Live it out. Try to recruit some people to come back with you. Uh, This is a hidden gem to a lot of people. Let's make it a known place, a known resource in the world. Um, I do serve at Lake Geneva Ministries. It's a a joy to be there. I've been uh, there for the last... 12 years, and I moved from the advancement director to the executive di- director in 2020, when the ship was going down. We, in the midst of COVID, they said, you know what, let's put this guy in charge, and that was, that was fun. Uh, we have a great connection in Lake Geneva Ministries with Lake Geneva Youth Camp, and our second property, which we took over about 11 years ago, Conference Point Center. Uh, between the two, we have deep, deep ties to Emmaus Bible College. Uh, Mr. Dr. Routley, boy, I knew him when he was Mr. Routley, that's how, that's how long our friendship goes back. J.J. Routley and I grew up together, uh, we were just uh, enjoying some reminiscing about that, and actually J.J.'s grandfather is one of my predecessors, Ray Routley, was one of our camp heads for many years, uh, has a great reputation, great connection, uh, especially because we come out of the Chicago Brethren movement and uh, have that deep rootedness there. I brought with me three guys from our team. Obviously, Aiden uh, served with us this summer. It was great to have him. Brought three other guys. We're making this a guy's trip today. I have Dennis back then, Nathan, and AJ, and they are part of our Pathway program. That is a gap year that you can take part in at our camp. It doesn't discourage you from going to college. In fact, we do it in course with colleges like Emmaus Bible College, Judson, and Moody. Um, and don't boo at that. We do it in, oh, okay, I gave you the opportunity to get your booze out, so there you go. But uh, we do it in course with Emmaus. And they they are, uh, this is something we hope to grow. Uh, They are part of six Pathway students who take a year on, not a year off, to grow in discipleship, work, life, and education skills that they will benefit from as they head back to college, as they head to another place. So we hope you check us out for Pathway. These guys are here checking Emmaus out as a potential next step beyond our program, uh, and we'd encourage you to go and meet them. They will have a table set up outside of your dining hall where you can get involved with many different things that we offer, including our upcoming bonfire event, which is like 69 bucks to come for a whole weekend and just meet other Christian college students uh, right after the new year. So we hope you check that out. Uh, We have uh, lots of opportunities we can talk about later, so if you want to check us out, we'll be uh, here after the program. So let's jump in. You are in Galatians chapter 5. This was presented to me as I could go one of two ways. I could talk about pursuing and gratifying the flesh, or... I could talk about what it means to walk in the Spirit, producing the fruit of the Spirit, and I chose the latter, because that is way more exciting to challenge us and encourage us in this way. So let's read this in context together, starting in verse 16, and we'll read down through verse 26, even though we will be keen in on 22 and 23. But I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh, Jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things like these. I warn you, as I warned you before, that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. But, thankfully there's that, the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness We are to walk in the Spirit. That is the context of this section. It starts with walking by the Spirit. It ends with being in step with the Spirit. The production of fruit comes from the Spirit. We are to continue on in that manner as opposed to the contrast of giving over to the desires of the flesh. When I was first asked to come and speak here, I took a few days to get back and I had actually missed out on my first choice and I responded back. And they said, nope, that's taken. And I responded yet again and they said, nope, sorry, that one was taken as well. And I was left with, but here's the three remaining that were out there, and goodness was amongst them. And I'm glad for that, because honestly, it's, it's one that is a little bit obscure to me. The word goodness, does it have definition in your mind? It lacked definition for me, even as someone who, I believe, studies the word pretty regularly. Goodness, it is sort of this broad term that's used in many different ways, both in culture and in Scripture. I had a little bit of difficulty as I was coming to this word because we see that it's often interchangeable with the word that comes right before it, this facet. It's one of the many facets that we see from the fruit of the Spirit. The facet that comes before that is this thing called kindness. Now, kindness is everywhere. Even at my kids' secular elementary school, they talk about kindness all the time. They provide them with t-shirts to talk about kindness. Be kind, 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 kind. And then when you start looking in the language that's behind these words, you figure out that goodness and kindness are often used interchangeably through Scripture, and it becomes even complicated for a goofball like me. So to get the full scope of this, I wanted to back up. I wanted to go a little larger, a little bit more into the analogy that's being laid out here by Paul. uh, Because this analogy is a continuum. It's a continuation of, uh, of information given by the Lord Jesus himself. We know that before we produce fruit, something has to implant within us. We have... Seeds that manifest into growth, that manifest into fruit. In Matthew 13, of course, we know our faith is a product of a sown seed in the wonderful parable there of the seed and the sower. The gospel message is spread. Our lives, like well-tended soil, are able to receive that seed and then it takes root. In the case of the parable, the seed is the same at all the time. It is the word of God. It's spread, it's tossed out there, and it's, the sower is really the same sower. It's one unified sower. It's, that's not the, the focus of it. The, the focus of it is what is the soil condition of the seed that is going to be implanted there. The seed's going to hit it. The soil's condition determines what happens from there. And if our, the condition of our soil is good, the seed takes hold, is implanted, and things grow. Once that seed is implanted, Paul gives us more information on what an implanted word looks like. In Colossians chapter 3, he says, let the word of God abide in you richly. So that seed takes hold and it can go one way or the other. If we want it to abide in us richly, we can also deafen or, or stunt the growth of that word and its work in our life. And he says, so let it abide in you richly. He says, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admon- admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs and thankfulness in your hearts to God. When the word of God implants into our heart, it does something transformative to us. It teaches us, it admonishes us, it helps us to grow. And you can have a response to that. The response is we turn and sing praises to the one now that we have greater understanding of, greater revelation of. We're thankful for the correction from the Lord, and his correction continues to work in our life. Then the Lord Jesus further illustrates this in John 15. He says, as this is growing in you, know that the seed actually works past you, creating roots beyond you. You're not the roots. You've moved from the soil. You are moving in a certain direction. You're not soil anymore. You are now the trunk and the branches, and you are rooted to something else. He says this in chapter 15 of John, a well-known passage, starting in verse 4. Oh, actually, let's go to verse 3. Already you are clean because of the word that I have spoken to you. Abide in me, and I also in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. Ah, we got there. We got to the fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. Okay, so the review is this. The root is the word abiding in you, manifesting itself, making known to you the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. You're rooted in him. You're abiding in him. He is abiding in you. His work is correcting and teaching and admonishing. You're growing, and the outwork of that is the spirit is able to work through you and produce fruit. And the whole point of the fruit is that it doesn't point back to the branches. It doesn't point back to the soil. It actually points back back through you into who are you rooted in. Your fruit is supposed to articulate something visually, impressively to the world about who you're rooted in. I didn't know this was your last chapel before you go to Thanksgiving, but many of you are going back to Thanksgiving with a whole group of parents and relatives and people who have no understanding of what you're learning here at Emmaus Bible College. There's an old saying, you may have heard it before, that there are five gospels. There's Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and the Christian, and many will never read the first four. They will look to you to show that you are in step and in character with the one you are rooted in. So the fruit is coming from your life. Paul's incredible. He's incredible at creating contrast and analogy. It's, of course, divinely given. This is inspired by the Holy Spirit himself. But his ability to contrast here, again, gives us more Understanding for what we're in for when it comes to this idea of goodness. Starting in this chapter, he asks a series of questions or makes a series of propositions in contrast to each other. Are you living in freedom of Christ or the yoke of slavery? Are you living to justify yourself by the law or are you holding to the grace given to you in Christ? Are you putting yourself under the legal requirements you cannot hope to fulfill? Or are you fulfilling the law by love and faith? Finally, here we have arrived in verse 16, and the contrast is, are you walking by the Spirit, or are you giving way to gratifying the desires of the flesh? And so we contrast it this way, verse 19, now the works of the flesh are evident. And why do we go over this so much? I don't want to dwell on these things, but I want to make sure the contrast is known because, again, the idea of fruit is it's visible to the world. And one is visible this way. You're going to have the fruit of gratifying the flesh or that of the spirit and really it's the fruits of gratifying the flesh right because these are all singular nouns as a byproduct that could come up you don't have to participate in all of them but you may be indulging in some of them almost no one is involved in all of these but there's many in this world who have given over to some of these and this is what it says just for review Sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things like these. He doesn't even have a complete list on this. It could go on. And this is a wonderful contrast to put up and juxtapose with your life as saying, is any of this manifesting in my life? Because the fruit that I'm producing is going to tell you about the one that I am rooted in. but the fruit of the Spirit. And it's one fruit with many facets. Now, in contrast to gratifying the flesh, this is one fruit with many facets. Which means all of these, in contrast to those who are gratifying the flesh, maybe some of these in the life of a believer who is walking in the Spirit, all of these will be present. And here's what it says again. It is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. And those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. So the analogy comes to its natural conclusion. The seed of the word implants germinates in faith, roots or abides in Christ to produce fruit, which in turn pollinates or produces more seed, or at least that's the potential in your life as you bear this fruit. The fruit doesn't hang there. It's supposed to go on and produce more fruit. Dietrich Bonhoeffer said it this way, the famous German pastor, fruit is always the miraculous Fruit is always the miraculous, the created. It is never the result of the willing, but always a growth. The fruit of the spirit is a gift of God, and only he can produce it. They who bear it know as little about it as the tree knows of its fruit. They know only the power of him on whom their life depends. The apple tree isn't an apple tree because it wills itself to produce apples, it produces apples because in the genetic code of the seed that was implanted is all the information necessary when growth happens to produce the apples. This is really helpful when we come to a fruit that seems to be a bit vague in our minds of what is this fruit? Well, you aren't producing it. It comes from beyond you. It passes through you as it comes to the end of your branch. We know this in the sense of goodness that it is hard to define here in this world. Now, I've read through many commentaries on my way to be here this morning on what is this thing called goodness. And I will tell you, it compounds your confusion when you go and you look at these different commentaries. Some will say, kindness and goodness are really together here because of the interchangeability of the language and how they're used. My understanding is when someone comes to the Lord and he says, good teacher... They're using the same Greek word that we use here for kindness. That's hard. And when you have this idea of goodness, Dr. John MacArthur says we cannot even find this word in secular Greek sources. It was coined likely by believers. It's a whole new word. They made up this word because there was nothing in secular culture to identify it with. They had to come up with this new idea to really demonstrate. Paul had to demonstrate that this is what the gospel is in action. And what do we call it? This new thing. Agathosune. I am not a Greek expert. It's obvious by my pronunciation to those who've taken Greek. I'm not a Greek expert. But here is what it is translated in the concordance. That of goodness, virtue, or beneficence. Goodness, virtue, or beneficence. But it's a word wholly created when when thinking about this on how to articulate the character of a believer emanating, And emulating that which was in our seed, which has come up through fruit. In other words, it is a term that has no meaning apart from theism, more than theism, that apart from our God. It has found its birth in connection with the Lord Jesus Christ Himself. And that should make the word stand out all the more. As the word became flesh and dwelt among us, the Lord Jesus brings a whole new vocabulary with Him. Isn't that wonderful? Words that were not there before now become standard in our practice. It is a form of righteousness. It is always accompanying with this idea of righteousness. But it's a little different from just righteousness itself. You might think of righteousness expressed in the to-dos and the don'ts, the moral standards in which we abide within. We want to stay within the moral standards given by God himself. It feels more like a checklist. It may have a harsh edge to it. When you go home for Thanksgiving and your non-believing family comes, they say, oh, here's Mr. Self-Righteous or Mrs. Self-Righteous Bible College student. But the goodness here is a slightly different form of righteousness. It's righteousness expressed in action towards others. Righteousness expressed in action towards others. We're abiding by a moral standard, yes, but that can come off harsh. The really the hands and the feet of righteousness is this idea of goodness. Some have called it the soft side of righteousness, showing them mercy and charity because it is good to do so. Now, where do we have glimpses of this? Can I illustrate this in scripture? If I said it really wasn't known in full to the Lord Jesus Christ, is there other definitions that we can look to? Perhaps, I think there is. I think if you look at Proverbs 3, where it calls you out, And this is the ESV version do not withhold good from those to whom it is due when it is in your power to do it. You know what's good. You have a moral standard. You have the ability to put that to work to love and care for others. Do it. That's goodness. That's good. Do not say to your neighbor, go and come again, tomorrow I will give it, when you have it with you. If you already have it with you, put it to work. The message paraphrases it this way. It says, never walk away from someone who deserves help. Listen to this. Your hand is God's hand for that person. Your hand is God's hand for that person. That is an act of goodness reflecting The goodness of God. You may also see goodness in the story of King David in Mephibosheth. One of my favorite ones, even though it's hard to pronounce his name. I love that character. Don't you love that picture? Do you know that story? We're talking about the family of the mortal enemy of David who hunted him down for years. That of the line of Saul and the last of his family is this lame man, Mephibosheth, who is invited, who deserved what? Death. Death. Everybody would have understood this. And he takes the most humble of people and he lifts it up and he carries this lame person into the king's table. That is goodness. You can also see a glimpse of this goodness, of course, in Luke 10. We know of the Samaritan. The Samaritan that meets the man who is beaten and robbed and stripped and left for dead. And he, none of his brethren, none of his Jewish brethren come to his aid... It is a Samaritan that comes to his aid. And what does he do? He shows compassion, it says, caring for the stranger, this enemy, and he bandaged his wounds, pouring oil and wine on them, and providing him shelter and money and support and care. That's why we don't call him the Samaritan. What do we call him? The Good Samaritan. Because a characteristic of his life was that of Goodness, But of course, the greatest goodness of all time, the reason you are here is because your life personally has been transformed by an unparalleled goodness. That is the goodness that's found in the Lord Jesus Christ. The King of kings turned into a substitutionary atonement for you who being in the very form of God did what? He emptied himself and took on an image just like you. It is for freedom that Christ came. But he took... On the form of a bondservant, that of man, to take the place of a bondservant to secure your freedom, as Paul starts out this entire passage today. And he took the place of everyone who would believe, by faith you have been saved, in the goodness of God. And that's good news, isn't it? That's good news. Do you, do you get bored of that? Do you ever get bored of that? I hope you don't get bored of that. That you have been saved? Has it become mundane, the message of the cross, that such goodness should be shown to you? And here's where the roots and the seed and all of that comes together and becomes so vital for your understanding. They have to be one and the same. And if you're varying from that, this is not going to work. If you go home and you want to tell people about the good news, but you are known for badness, can you imagine badness accompanying good news? If you want to make the good news known to this world, it needs to be accompanied by goodness. That is the fruit of the gospel showing in your life. When God's spirit produces goodness through you, you give them a glimpse of the vine to which you are grafted, to which you are uh, drawing all your resources from, and the characteristic must be in chorus with that of the person of Christ. That is the goodness of God. Lived out righteousness for the world to see. I'm coming to the end of my time, and I want to end with Also, going back to what Bonhoeffer said, which is, we are unable to do this apart from the power of God working through it, but it's both a power of God thing and it is a command for you. Did you know that? This is by the power of God you produce this fruit, but it's also a command for each of you. So we turn as Paul did at the end of 2 Thessalonians chapter 1, and I want you to stand together as we close our time with this benediction, and then I will close in prayer. You know what goodness is? Now seek from the Lord that he might provide you with the power to produce that goodness. This is what he says in 2 Thessalonians chapter 1 to end the chapter. We constantly pray for you that our God may make you worthy of his calling and that by his power he may bring to fruition your every desire for goodness and every deed prompted by faith. We pray this so that the name of the Lord Jesus might be glorified in you. That's the power of goodness, that you glorify Jesus Christ and point to him, the one who made and coined the phrase in his life and character. And you in him, according to the grace of our God in the Lord Jesus Christ. I just want you to, to note something back in verse 17 and then I'll close in prayer. For the desires of the flesh are against the spirit and the desires of the spirit are against the flesh for these are opposed to each other. Listen to this. To keep you from doing the things you want to do. Do you want to glorify Christ? Let goodness be known in your life.